This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. West Virginia has long been an energy state, but where that energy comes from is changing. Natural gas is replacing coal and power plants and renewable energy is gaining ground. We've been talking about hydrogen hubs and we've been talking about different new technologies that can come to West Virginia as a result of a lot of federal legislation plus a result of just technology moving forward. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. A big natural gas pipeline project supported by state leaders has drawn an unlikely foe. Curtis Tate explains. Environmental groups have opposed the completion of the Mountain Valley Pipeline, and they've had some success blocking it in court. They may have an unlikely ally, the West Virginia Coal Association. Coal Association President Chris Hamilton told Senator Bill Hamilton, a Republican from Upshur County and a member of the Economic Development Committee, that the association had supported the pipeline in the past. But Chris Hamilton said the 300-mile natural gas pipeline would displace coal-fired electricity generation in North Carolina. So we might very well. We might be against it now? Yes. Unfortunate. Thank you. The committee then approved Senate Bill 188, which would expedite permitting for natural gas projects in West Virginia. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. Gen Biopro, manufacturer of generic mufaprestone, commonly known as one of the abortion pills, is suing to invalidate West Virginia's medication abortion ban. Emily Rice has more. Medication abortion using the two-drug regimen involving mifepristone early in pregnancy is the most common form of abortion care in the U.S., accounting for more than half of all pregnancy terminations. This is the first lawsuit of its kind since the overturn of Roe v. Wade last summer. Attorney General Patrick Morrissey issued a statement in response to the GenBioPro lawsuit Wednesday saying his office is prepared to defend West Virginia's new abortion law to the fullest. Sky Perryman is the president President and CEO of Democracy Forward, part of Gen Biopro's legal counsel. What the state of West Virginia has done is presently maintaining a series of laws and regulations that in effect ban mifepristone. That substitutes the judgment of the state for the judgment of FDA, and the laws deprive patients of federally approved safe and effective medication. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. America faces a long-term affordable housing crisis created by a serious overall shortage in housing. On the next episode of Us and Them, host Trey K takes takes us to rural communities and urban developments to see how the situation plays out. Housing costs are well above where they were pre-pandemic, And now emergency pandemic relief programs are mostly gone. Here's an excerpt from The Housing Struggle. America is heading into the fourth year of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's a crisis that continues to affect many aspects of our lives, including where we live. Housing became really important during the pandemic. Not only were we trapped here all of the time and working from home increasingly, but also housing was really at stake in a way that it might not previously have been. And 
Claudia Aiken says the pandemic is shaping American housing in very different ways. People who were doing fine before were still doing fine. Many of them were doing even better, what with the stimulus checks and the housing boom in home ownership. A lot of home values really went up and people benefit, you know, when the value of their asset goes up. But then you have the other side of the spectrum where people who were struggling before, especially renters, suddenly they had no income and couldn't pay the rent. So in terms of income, the pandemic really affected certain sectors, mostly people in service. Those are disproportionately renters and suddenly they had no income. They couldn't pay rent. So they were in this situation where they were actually having to ask themselves the question, can I stay in my home for another month? At the start of the pandemic, the federal government invested in housing in a way that it hasn't for decades. Mr. Speaker, I rise today in support of the CARES Act. Billions were poured into rent relief programs. There's $4 billion for emergency grants for homelessness and $1 billion for project-based rental assistance. People's rental arrears went down. Their anxiety about being able to stay in their home went down. They weren't, for example, sleeping in vehicles or in motels. But these days, emergency pandemic federal relief programs are mostly gone. Our research also finds that that rent relief was essentially a Band-Aid. It was not meant to be a long-term solution, and it wasn't. So as we're following people now, months after they received that rent relief, a lot of them are still struggling in really important ways. Once again, America is staring down the barrel of its long-term housing issues, only now with added complications from the last few years. Take the rental market. Overall, price hikes slowed over 2022, but nationally, costs are still well above what they were pre-COVID. And if you're trying to buy a house, that's gotten more complicated too. In response to inflation, and the housing boom of 2021, the government raised interest rates on mortgages, making it more expensive to buy. Plus, American wages haven't kept up with inflation. Add the two together, and you get a set of hurdles many Americans simply can't afford. Aiken says a lot of this turmoil can be tied back to one problem. We don't have enough housing. And when you've got that shortage, there's more competition for it and prices go up. Are we seeing that demand cooling off? I think it's fair to say there was some counter movement during the pandemic, but that's the last, you know, two to three years. But in terms of the last decade, when I think of a city like Philadelphia, for example, that had been depopulating for years and years and years following the Industrial Revolution, which, you know, seems like ancient history, in the last decade is when the city was kind of reborn and saw people moving in in greater numbers for the very first time. And that shifted the housing market totally and in a way that the city might not have totally been prepared for. We've been listening to an excerpt from the latest Us and Them episode, The Housing Struggle. Tune in tonight at 8 on West Virginia Public Broadcasting, where you can hear the entire episode. There will be an encore broadcast on Saturday, January 28th at 3 p.m.
Us and Them is supported by the West Virginia Humanities Council, the Greater Kanawha Valley Foundation, and the CRC Foundation. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 752. Chance of rain and snow showers today with gusty wind, highs in the 30s. A winter storm warning is in effect in eastern Grant County. A winter weather advisory in the eastern mountains. Tonight, a chance of snow, lows in the teens and 20s. Tomorrow, breezy with partly sunny skies, highs in the 20s and 30s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Torres Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TorresSaveAlaw.com. West Virginia has long been an energy state, but where that energy comes from is changing as natural gas replaces coal and power plants and renewable energy gains ground. For the legislature today, Curtis Tate speaks with delegates Bill Anderson and Kayla Young. I wanted to start by just asking about uh, Senate Bills 161 and 162. Uh, the governor has signed them. They passed both chambers. They passed your chamber, uh, the House, of course, uh, on an overwhelming vote. Um, Delegate Anderson, let me start with you. Uh, why is that? that uh, why are those bills so important, and what do they help uh, bring to West Virginia? I, I believe they're going to move the state forward. Um, the um, the, I, I appreciate the fact that the, uh, the Senate has taken action on these bills, and, and I'm hopefully they will move the state forward in the future. Uh, Delegate Young, any thoughts about uh, these, these two particular bills? Yeah, I agree with Delegate Anderson. Last year, I think both of us sponsored a bill for carbon uh, capture and sequestration, and these bills kind of aligned with that, right? So just moving more forward in the terms of we've been talking about hydrogen hubs and we've been talking about different new technologies that can come to West Virginia as a result of a lot of federal legislation plus a result of just technology moving forward. So we're all really excited about these opportunities. Uh, but Delegate Anderson, I think there were, there were some um, folks, uh, especially in your party, who had some concerns about uh, the, the decarbonization aspect of this, the, the idea that you would take uh, the, the carbon dioxide emissions produced you know, in the, the, uh, the manufacturing of hydrogen and pump them into these, uh, these underground storage areas. Do you, do you, can you kind of speak a little bit to those concerns? Well, I, I believe uh, the, the delegates that have concerns, uh, the, many of the things that uh, they were concerned about have been answered. I have the benefit on my committee uh, of having a, a professional geologist as my vice chair. And so he can help to educate our members with, within our caucus or any, any member that his office is always open. Uh, it's important in the sequestration that we pick the right geological features to, to where once it is captured, it is going to stay there and not leak out in any way. And I think that that's a very important thing. So it's very important to my committee for uh, Delegate Mark Citeslo from Hancock County is a great asset to not only me as chairman of the committee, 
uh, but to the minority members and other members of the committee as well. Uh, let me move on to a, a bill that uh, your committee has considered, uh, HB 2896, I believe it is. Uh, it, it's to, to uh, uh, I hope I'm saying this right, to, to create a, uh, a state agreement with the National, um, the, I'm sorry, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Um, why is that important? Well, first of all, the regulation of any nuclear activity uh, uh, is pretty much governed by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission uh, coming out of Washington. And so any nuclear legislation that we move forward, uh, we coordinate closely by with the uh, uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission because there's no sense us putting forth a bill that, that is, is going to be overridden by federal policy. And uh, so usually there's a lot of communication uh, between my committee council, myself, uh, mainly my committee council, uh, with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission as, as to what we can include in the legislation that comes forward. Uh, as you know, we passed a repeal of the ban on the nuclear energy in, in this state last year. But uh, that doesn't mean that we're on, on the pathway to developing nuclear power plants everywhere. Uh, but it does mean that the possibility of exploring uh, 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 small-scale nuclear reactors in the future. There's one at Penn State. It's my belief that West Virginia University is interested in that, but we, we would have to put the framework in, gather, together on this to uh, be able to, to move somewhat into this field. Uh, Delegate Young, I remember uh, last year that you were a fairly enthusiastic supporter of mm -hmm. this repeal that, that Delegate Anderson just mentioned of the uh, the long-standing uh, ban on nuclear power in the state. Uh, what, what kind of future do you see for, for nuclear power in West Virginia? Um, I see one that is zero carbon with nuclear power involved. We're not at zero carbon right now. We won't be there anytime soon. But um, with nuclear, we can start to kind of have those conversations and, you know, start to have an all of the above energy policy. We, we want to be all of the above energy policy. That was Delegates Kayla Young and Bill Anderson speaking with Curtis Tate for the legislature today. To hear more of that interview, visit our website at wvpublic.org. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, Randy Yoey, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. Thank you.